Oh, good morning. My name is Eric. I get to be the pastor here. I just want to say welcome to you all. Welcome to a Mosaic Church. Uh, we're about four years old uh, as a church, and uh, we're just so excited that you are here. Our desire for each and every person here, we want you to have some friends, some community that when things are going tough and things are hard, you have people to go to that can talk to. We want to give you an opportunity that you can use your God-given gifts and talents to make a difference in this world. We think God gave us, uh, put us here for a reason, for a purpose, and we want you to, help, to know that you can find forgiveness from uh, all your mistakes, to find uh, grace, and to know that God's mercy is new every morning. That's why uh, we gather together here each and every week. Uh, we're in this series called My Better Half and learning about relationships and, and family. We've been going through the story of Jacob and Esau and, and his whole thing. How many of you have ever had conflict with your family? How many of you have ever had conflict with your in-laws? Married people are trying not to look at each other. Yeah, yeah, we've all had that, right? Uh, through the years, Chris and I are going to be married 15 years this summer. And man, we've had some great times with family and in-laws and some not-so-good times. Uh, actually, right away... When we went on, uh, we got married. Chris and I went on our honeymoon, and when we got back, uh, Kristen's parents actually were were very angry at us because they were convinced that um, we had been calling and talking to my parents every day on our honeymoon, and weren't talking to them. And we said, "Why on earth would we want to talk to anyone on our honeymoon? We want to get away and get to know each other." Uh, and so we've all had those kind of conflicts, those those working things out. That's just what relationships are like. And so what's great is that in God's word, we have these families who are so messed up, who have crazy conflict, and we can look at their stories, feel a little bit better about ourselves, and um, know that we're not alone in what we're going through. Like I said, this past couple of weeks, we've been looking at this one family that's going to become the nation of Israel. And last week, we saw that Jacob fell in love with hot Rachel, ended up married to her less attractive older sister by accident, and then fathered 12 children over the course of about seven years with four different women. Plus, he's working for his crooked father-in-law this whole time. Talk about family issues to deal with, amen? And so this morning, though, we're going to see that God is active behind all these scenes, that even though from Jacob's point of view, it seems that God has been silent for the last 20 years, Jacob is going to see that God has been there all along. And this morning, we're going to see that God provides, that God protects, and God prevents. That God provides, that God protects, and God prevents. Would you join me in prayer, and then we're going to dive into God's word. God, thank you that you are here with us. And at your name, darkness trembles. Jesus, we thank you that we have the victory through you, through what you accomplished on the cross and then your resurrection. So Jesus, we come from a place now of victory, and we say, Jesus, be here with us in this place. And we ask Holy Spirit to come fill us, give us a new heart, a new mind, help us to uh, hear today what we need to hear from your word. God, I pray that each and every person here in this room would leave today with just a little bit clearer picture of who you are and how much you love us. In your name we, we pray, amen. We're gonna dive into uh, Genesis 30 and 31. I encourage you to start bringing your Bibles, make some notes in there. Uh, otherwise, you can follow along on the screen behind me, take some notes this morning. One of the reasons we give you a, a note sheet is we don't wanna just give you some information from the stage, but we, we are really hoping you have a life of transformation. And we think if you can hear God's word, if you can read it, if you can make some notes and you can discuss it in a small group, that'll help get those truths down deep into your heart and soul and have a life of change, not just getting some information. So today we're going to dive into Genesis 30, verse 25. 
And last week we talked about how, again, uh, Jacob married to Leah and then Rachel and their two concubines. They had these 12 sons and, and, and Rachel wanted to have children and, and Leah wanted to be loved. And, and ultimately, uh, then Rachel did get pregnant with Joseph. That's where we're picking up our story. As soon as Rachel had born Joseph, Jacob said to Laban, send me away that I may go to my own home and country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you that I may go for you know the service that I've given you. But Laban said to him, if I have found favor in your sight, I've learned by divination that the Lord has blessed me because of you. Name your wages and I will give it. So Laban is using divination to talk to spirits. Laban's always thinking about the bottom line here. That's what people would call like a counter offer. He's saying, uh, Jacob, I can't let you go because the demons have told me that my business is doing really well because of you. And some of you are like, I can totally identify. I know my boss talks to demons. But we're not sure how Laban talks to demons. It could be through witchcraft or tarot cards or going to a medium. But the important thing for us to know, there is a spirit world. Some spirits love and serve God. We call them angels. Some spirits hate God and serve Satan. And those are demons. Laban is spiritual, but he's not a follower of God. And so by divination, he's learned that he's been blessed because of Jacob. Let's continue on. Jacob said to him, you yourself know how I've served you and how your livestock has fared with me. For you had little before I came, and it has increased abundantly, and the Lord has blessed you wherever I turned. So business is booming for Jacob's father-in-law, Laban, but Jacob doesn't take the credit. He gives God the credit for how things have been going. But now, when shall I provide for my own household also? He's worked hard for his father-in-law, but Jacob hasn't been well compensated up until this point. He's saying, I need to provide for my own family, so I need to go either look for a new job or start my own company or something, but this isn't working. Jacob is rightly trying to figure out how to provide for his family. Don't ever feel guilty for needing to look for a new job to provide for your family, but you need to talk to God about those changes and trust his timing. Verse 31. But he said, what shall I give you? Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this for me, I will again pasture your flock and keep it. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from it every speckled and spotted sheep and every black lamb, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and they shall be my wages. So my honesty will answer for me later when you come to look into my wages with you. Everyone that is not speckled or spotted among the goats and black among the lambs, if found with me, shall be counted stolen." So he's got a new deal. Okay, you get to have most of the sheep, all the white ones, and all the spotted, speckled black sheep, those will be mine. And Jacob is gonna give God his work and trust that God is gonna take care of him and his 12 kids. Here's a principle for us, that offer God what you have and then trust him to give you what you need. That we wanna offer God what we have. Hey God, these are my talents, these are my abilities. And then I'm gonna trust you to give me what I need. Jacob is going to take the less valuable animals, the defective ones. See, most sheep are, are solid color, not speckled or spotted. But Jacob is trusting that God will provide. Kind of a modern-day example. It's like if Laban, his crooked father-in-law, owns a, a used Chevy dealership. And Jacob's like, all right, new deal. Every Chevy I sell, you get to keep all the money for that. But any Fords that, I, that we sell, I get to keep that. And Laban's like... Yeah, like we sell Chevys, we hardly get any Fords as trade-ins, so sure, this is a good deal. The next thing you know, the next 10 years, every car that's traded in is a Ford, and that's what Jacob keeps selling, and all of a sudden now, Jacob's business is booming, and Laban's not doing so hot. And what we're gonna see is that God is not only providing for Jacob's needs, but God is blessing Jacob in a very big way, and Jacob's gonna become prosperous here. Jacob has worked with honesty and, and integrity for 20 years, but really he's been ripped off by Laban. 
And now God is bringing about justice and basically getting Jacob his back wages that he's due. See, God blesses our work when we work with honesty and integrity. That God blesses our work when we work with honesty and integrity, when we don't cut corners trying to get ahead, when we don't you know, uh, take advantage of people, but when we work with honesty and integrity, that's when God blesses our work. He provides for us. And when God provides, what is our response to that? Well, there's this principle of the tithe. What is the tithe? The tithe comes from the Hebrew word maser. It means one-tenth. It's the first tenth of whatever we receive. Leviticus 27.30 says this, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's, is holy to the Lord. God says the first 10% of whatever you receive is his. And our response is to give it back to him. That means if you earn $100, the first $10 is not technically mine. It belongs to God. And I return that as an act of worship, saying that everything I have, God, is a gift from you. So now I'm going to return the first, the first fruits of that back to you. Malachi 3.10 says this way, Bring the full tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Malachi says, Bring the full tenth into the storehouse. It's a picture of the local church that there may be food in my house. What are you receiving every Sunday morning, hopefully here? What are your kids receiving back there? Spiritual food. You're being nourished and strengthened in the things of God. Your children are being strengthened and taught the ways of God. You're learning how to follow Jesus, how to be filled with his power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And this is the only place where God says to test him. God says, test me in this and see if I'll not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing there will not be room enough to store it. Test me in this. Why do you think God said to test him in this? Because I think the concept that giving the first 10% back to God is so scary for so many of us. Because we believe that everything that comes into our hands is for our consumption. And we think, if I give 10% back to God, I'm not gonna have enough for me, I'm not gonna have enough for my families. But God says, test me in this. And when we worship God with my first and best, then we trust him to bless the rest. For my whole uh, working life, ever since I got a job at age 14 of working at, at Erickson's New Market, bagging groceries, and then working retail in the mall uh, as a college kid and spraying lawns, I've lived by this principle. The first 10% goes back to God. Just that, write that check. You know, if, if I made $42.50 you know, at the grocery store, you know, then a $4.25, you know, whatever, check goes to my local church. And I've seen over the last you know, 20 years 25 years that God has blessed that. God has taken care of me in so many ways. And this is something that the church I grew up in was just was so uh, just transparent about this, that we believe in giving the first fruits back to God. There's this principle of the first fruits, that what we do first shows what's important to us. That's why I believe the first thing you do in your morning, don't check your social media, don't check your email. When you wake up in the morning, you know, get your coffee, your water, whatever you need, but then spend that time with God. And it's fine to spend time with God over your lunch hour or, you know, at night. But there is this principle of first fruits that what we do first matters most. So I want to encourage you to get up in the morning and spend that first time with God. Just, you know, read a scripture verse, read a chapter, journal some of your thoughts, journal your prayers. If you're having trouble uh, praying, uh, I find it really helps my mind to journal down. Hey, God, this is what I'm praying for. And you don't have to say your prayers out loud. You can write them. You can type them. You can say them out loud. You can walk, whatever that might be. 
Same thing with, with our first day of our week, Sunday. We, we spend the first day of our week here serving others, worshiping God. There's that principle of first fruits. And same with everything that God blesses us, that we, we give that back to God first. That's that, and so we, we want to be growing in generosity as God provides for us. Well, Laban, getting back to the story, he's using his family to get wealthy, but Jacob wants to use his wealth to take care of his family. And so God's been providing for him. We're going to see Jacob. He's going to give back to God. But we're going to see some conflict now between Laban, who's using his family to get wealthy, and Jacob, who simply wants to take care of his family. So God has been providing for Jacob. Next thing we're going to see is that God protects. Chapter 31, verse 1. Now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's, and from what was our father's he has gained all this wealth. And Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as before. So now there's been some conflict, and some people are saying, wow, Jacob's stealing from Laban, this isn't going well. And in the middle of this conflict, God is going to show up. In between the time where Jacob ran away from home and, and when he, he encountered Laban and, and Rachel and Leah, he actually encountered God in the desert and had this vision of, of, of a ladder going to heaven, a stairway to heaven, as Led Zeppelin called it. But from the story, God has been silent for the last 20 years. Jacob hasn't heard from God for 20 years. He's been going about his life, but now, in the middle of this conflict, God is going to show up and speak. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. God says the same thing to Jacob that he said to his grandfather Abraham. Go, get out of here, go back to the promised land, and I will be with you. Now at this point, does it make any sense for Jacob to go back? No, like business is finally booming. Jacob was struggling for 20 years, and now finally things are going great. And God says, now's the time to go. Does this make any earthly sense? No. Perhaps this is your story, Maybe, but you need to take your plans to God and trust him with your future. If you feel like God is nudging you to take the step of faith and naturally it doesn't make sense, you want to get wise, godly counsel, but then trust God. See, God directs and he protects. And sometimes we're going to see he, his direction is for our protection. And God says to Jacob, trust me, I'm going to be with you. Today, I want you to know God is saying to you, trust me, that I will be with you. Wherever you're going through, God is going to be with you, just like he was with Jacob and Jacob's father Isaac and Abraham. And see, God is protecting Jacob's kids from their crooked grandpa Laban, who only cares about himself. God knows the best thing for these kids is to not for them to grow up around their crooked grandpa Laban. Now, this might be tough for some of you to hear, but sometimes the best thing that we can do is to get away from family that is a bad influence. Jacob has heard from God and knows what God wants him to do. He's going to walk away from a lucrative business. But now he's got to figure out how to disentangle himself from his crooked father-in-law. So he's going to call all his wives together and discuss things. Now, first, I can't even imagine what this is like. Like, it's hard enough to convince one wife to do something you feel like God has called you to do, but multiple wives, like, this has got to be hard. And so Jacob's got to bring a good um, case to his wife. He needs to be thoughtful and prayerful uh, because Guys, as we lead our wives, as we lead our family, our wives want to know that we've prayed about this, that we've been thoughtful about this. Verse four, so Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah into the field where his flocks was and said to them, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before, but the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've served your father with all my strength, yet your father has cheated me and changed my wages 10 times. How many of you work something like this? 
They say, okay, you'll get a bonus when you hit these numbers. And then you hit those numbers. It's like, nah, no, now you'll get a bonus when you hit these numbers. Jacob keeps going back to God and giving credit to God. But God did not permit him to harm me. If he said, the spotted shall be your wages, then all the flock bore spotted. And if he said, the striped shall be your wages, then all the flock bore striped. Thus God has taken away the livestock of your father and given them to me. God is saying, I know what's been going on. That you've been cheated from your crooked father-in-law, but I've been providing for you and I've been protecting you. Genesis 31, verse 11. Then the angel of God said to me in a dream, Jacob, and I said, here I am. And he said, lift up your eyes and see all the goats that mate with the flock are striped, spotted, and mottled. For I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and made a vow to me. Now arise, go out from this land, and return to the land of your kindred. Oftentimes, God's protection comes through his direction. God tells us, don't go there. Don't do this. Have you ever had that sense where maybe you're intervening for a job and you just feel that check in your spirit, that still small voice that says, I don't think this is the right thing for me. Listen to that. Sometimes God's direction is gonna save us from a situation that we should never be in. Maybe it's buying a house or just going into business with someone. See, God helps set up boundaries that helps keep us from getting burned. God puts healthy boundaries in our lives so that we don't get burned. See, we see that Laban is a crooked man, and Jacob and his family don't need to spend any more time around them, so they're going to get back to his family and not be around this crooked businessman anymore. In your life today, maybe God is encouraging you to put up some boundaries. As followers of Christ, we want to love everyone, but it doesn't mean we allow everyone to have access to us, to hurt us, to betray us. We need to have healthy boundaries. Genesis 31, verse 14. Then Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, is there any portion or inheritance left to us in our father's house? Are we not regarded by him as foreigners? For he has sold us and he has indeed devoured our money. All the wealth that God has taken away from our father belongs to us and to our children. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do. Rachel and Leah are at this turning point in their lives. Will they be Laban's daughters or are they gonna be Jacob's wives? They need to choose between their father and their husband. There's a great book on boundaries called Boundaries by Henry Cloud and Dr. John Townsend. Is there someone in your life who is not a positive influence on you or your kids? God may be asking you to set up some boundaries. Dr. Henry Cloud states this, that for marriage to work, the spouse needs to loosen her ties with her family of origin and forge new ones with the new family she's creating through marriage. This does not mean that husbands and wives shouldn't have a relationship with their extended families, but they do need to set clear boundaries with their families of origin. Many marriages fail because one partner fails to set clear boundaries with the family of origin and the spouses and children get leftovers. So often in marriages, we allow our marriage bed to be filled with the expectations, the thoughts, the experiences of our parents, of our in-laws, of, of other people. And see, what God wants is to set up healthy boundaries so that it's, it's, it's a husband, it's a wife, under God, learning from him together. It doesn't mean that we don't have great relationships with family who are healthy, but we need to have healthy boundaries. We need to not be too enmeshed and entangled with family members who just want to take, take, take. And see, what Rachel and Leah are realizing is that, you know, Laban, their dad, is that kind that when he needs something, like, he's in their lives. But otherwise, he's just ignoring them. 
Maybe you have someone like that in your life. That they only come around when they need something from you. And then they're there. But they're never there for you when you need them. See, the reality is that originally I have to choose between their father and their husband. And if Laban wasn't a wicked man, would they need to make this choice? No. If Laban had been looking out for his daughters and his grandchildren, if he had been a godly man setting a good example for his family, there'd be no reason for Jacob to to lead his family away from this toxic situation. But because Laban was selfish and not thinking about his legacy, he's going to lose his two daughters and his 12 grandchildren. And they're going to move 500 miles away. And this is a good gut check, I think, for all of us. I think we can all ask, whether we're 18 years old or 68 years old, what am I doing today to leave a good legacy for my children, for my grandchildren, for my nieces, for my nephews? What kind of legacy of faith am I leaving? What kind of legacy of of, of financial freedom am I leaving for, for the generations that are coming after me? Don't spend all your wealth on your retirement. Don't don't be that guy with the bumper sticker on his brand new sports car that says, spending my kids' inheritance. How can you set up your grandchildren for success? I think so much in our culture, we don't think about that. We're so individualized that we don't think, how can I make sure that my grandchildren have the best uh, chance for success in life? How am I setting up my children? That's what Laban didn't do. He's only thinking about himself. How can he get what he wants? And because of that, he's gonna lose his two daughters and he'll lose his 12 grandchildren. So Jacob arose and set his sons and his wives on camels. He drove away all his livestock, all his property that he had gained, the livestock in his possession that he had acquired in Padan Aram to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. Now, I hate moving. We moved, Chris and I, when we first married from here to Colorado and then from Colorado to Wisconsin, then Wisconsin to here, and that is bad, but I can't imagine doing this on camels. Like, that is just terrible. Like, can you imagine? But Laban, he's out shearing the sheep, and so Jacob thinks, this is a great time. Let's sneak away. We're going to get out of this unhealthy, toxic situation because crooked Laban's off shearing the sheep. But what we see is Jacob's still a coward. He's running away from healthy conflict. But God is not going to let him get away with that. God is not going to let Jacob just sneak off in the middle of the night again. And the third thing we see is that God prevents. That God prevents us from running away from healthy, good conflict. See, God is going to step in and prevent Jacob from sneaking off and leaving this conflict unaddressed. God is going to step in and prevent Jacob from creating an irrevocable rift between him and his father-in-law. Genesis 31, verse 20. And Jacob tricked Laban the Aramean by not telling him that he intended to flee. He fled with all that he had and arose and crossed the Euphrates, the river, and he set his face towards the hill country of Gilead. When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him for seven days and followed close after him into the hill country of Gilead. Now we're going to have some more conflict. And Laban is upset because Jacob has snuck away with his daughters and his grandchildren. But God shows up. Laban's not a believer, but God's going to show up to protect Jacob. But God came to Laban the Aramean in a dream by night and said to him, Be careful not to say anything to Jacob, either good or bad. And so, they, so Laban catches up with Jacob, and they have this conflict, and, and you can read about the whole story. You can talk about it in your small group. A lot of times on Sunday mornings, we can just give you a little taste of the meal, and then throughout this week, dive into the scriptures. In your small group, dive into what we don't cover here. Uh, jump ahead to 38. Jacob's now going to kind of, they've, they've been in the middle of this conflict, and now Jacob's going to defend himself a little bit here. Jacob says, these 20 years I've been with you, 
your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, and I have not eaten the rams of your flocks. What was torn by wild beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. From my hand you required it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was, by day the heat consumed me, and the cold by night, and my sleep fled from my eyes. These 20 years I've been in your house. I served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock, and you have changed my wage 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been on my side, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God saw my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. Then Laban answered and said to Jacob, the daughters are my daughters, the children are my children, the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. But what can I do this day for my daughters or for their children whom they have born? Come now, let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. Verse 51, then Laban said to Jacob, see this heap and this pillar which I have set between you and me. This heap is a witness and this pillar is a witness that I will not pass over this heap to you and you will not pass over this heap and this pillar to me to do harm. The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear and of his father Isaac, and Jacob offered a sacrifice in the hill country and called his kinsmen to eat bread. They ate bread and spent the night in the hill country. Early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his grandchildren and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned home. What we see is that God is not gonna let Jacob just sneak off again. God prevents God provides, God protects, and God prevents. God provides and meets our needs. And what is our response to that? To give our first 10% back to him. I want to extend a challenge to you. I know there are many of you who are new to church, who are new to following Christ. I know there's many of you too who were burned by church, burned by religious structures. Maybe you saw churches abuse money. Maybe you just don't know how you feel about that. Or you've said, you know, I don't want to tithe to my church. I'm, I'm going to give it to missions. But I believe that God wants us to trust him with that first 10% to bring it to the storehouse, the place where we get fed spiritually. And I want to challenge you for these next 90 days to give that first 10% to God and see if God does provide and meet all your needs. And at the end of 90 days, if you do not see that God is moving in your life and meeting all your needs, then come back to us as a church and, and then we will write you a check for everything that you gave for those 90 days. Money back guarantee. I want to help stretch your faith. I know for many of you, this is something that you've been holding on to. You're not sure if you can trust a church with money. You're not sure if you can trust God with that. You're not sure if God will provide in your heart. Well, I want you to, to break the bonds with that. The best way to break greed in our hearts, to break selfishness, to break those past hurts where you've seen other places abuse it is to trust again. To say, God, okay, I'm gonna trust you with this and I'm gonna, I'm gonna test you in this because you told me to test you in this and I'm gonna believe that you provide. If 10% is just not possible, then would you try 5%, something? I wanna encourage you for these next 90 days to try that out and see if God provides. Next, we see that God protects. That God protects us. But what's our response is to follow his prompting and set good boundaries. God, maybe there's someone today you're thinking of and, and you realize, you know, this person, this friendship is not healthy for me or for my children. And you need to draw some boundaries. It doesn't mean you just immediately cut them out of your life. You say, you know, I need not spend as much time with this person. There are people in my life who I realize if they have a negative bent, I cannot spend time with them. I need to spend time with people who encourage my heart, who are positive and uplifting 
And so I wanna cultivate those relationships instead of people who are gonna bring me down with, with pessimism and negativity. Maybe in your life there's some people that you need to have some boundaries around and say, you know what, the way they gossip, the way they, they are just, they're filled with greed and spending more than they're making, it's all about them. Just that toxic culture, you're realizing God wants me to have some boundaries with those people. And third, we see that God prevents us from avoiding necessary conflicts. One of my favorite quotes by Mark Twain, he said, the first thing you do in the morning is to eat a live frog, then the rest of your day, you know that the worst is behind you. And so there's this, there's this phrase called eat the frog. And maybe you've heard that before, but it's at work or in whatever it is, the, you wanna do the first thing when you get to work to that most unpleasant task. You eat the frog. It's that email I've been avoiding. It's that expense report I didn't wanna do. Whatever that is that we avoid. What is that bathroom in your house you don't wanna clean? You wanna eat the frog because then you know the rest of your day is gonna be better. If the worst is behind you. And maybe right now, even as I've been talking, there's some relationship where you have conflict with. And maybe that person doesn't even know that you have conflict with, but Matthew 18 tells us that if we have bitterness in our hearts towards someone, if we have just something where someone has rubbed us the wrong way, we think they've said something or thought something about us, the right thing to do is to go move towards that person, to not avoid that necessary conflict. And it is hard, but eat that frog and say, hey, can you and I talk? Don't send an email. Don't write down all your words. If you think better through words, then type up your letter and say, hey, can we meet? And can I read this to you in person so that you can hear the voice and my inflection? We can sit side by face to face and talk. We don't just send off email blasts to hurt someone and throw a grenade and shut the door behind us. But God wants us to restore and redeem relationships. Again, this isn't toxic relationships, but if you know you have conflict with someone, Maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, just to have that conversation. Because we do have an enemy and the enemy wants us divided. The enemy wants us to think of us versus them. And so what God wants us to do is to, to move into those hard situations and say, okay, God, help me to move into this conflict. Dr. Henry Cloud states this in his book, Boundaries. He says, nothing clarifies boundaries more than forgiveness. To forgive someone means to let him off the hook or to cancel a debt he owes you. When you refuse to forgive someone, you still want something from that person. Even if it is revenge that you want, it keeps you tied to him forever. God wants for us to forgive people, to let it go. And sometimes that doesn't happen unless we move into those hard situations, those hard conflicts. Jacob did not want to have that hard conversation with Laban. Maybe today there's a maybe a father, a mother in your life, an aunt or an uncle, a grandparent. And, and you know God wants you to step into that conflict and, and to have that hard conversation. And he will be with you. Maybe though there's a, a, a toxic relationship and you need to draw those boundaries. Just like Jacob, God is gonna be with you. He's gonna provide. He's going to protect. But he's gonna prevent us from living a life that isn't full of life that he wants for us. We're gonna move into a time of response now where this is our gift to you of just to say, uh, God, what are you stirring in my heart? Would you stand with me? The band's gonna lead us through this song, Waymaker. And some of the words I love in this song says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop working. 
Jacob for 20 years didn't see that God was working in his life, but God was still there providing, protecting, preventing him from doing something that was gonna blow up his whole world. In your life today, even if you don't feel it, God is working. Even if you don't see it, God is working. One of the reasons we come together and sing songs, sometimes it's to sing words that we believe wholeheartedly and we're gonna shout them from the rafters. Sometimes it's come together and say, I don't believe you're a way maker. I am struggling to believe. But when we come together in community, then those around us can help us sing, to help us respond. And so we're gonna sing this song today. I invite the prayer team to come on down. And also during the song, if you have something that's going on in your life and you want some prayer, then we wanna put a hand on your shoulder. We wanna pray for you. This is a judgment-free zone. We want you to, to know that we care for you. And if there's some relationship that you know that God is helping you and, and, and you're gonna have a tough conversation and you're like, I just need some help, have someone pray for you. If you know there's a toxic relationship that you need to set a boundary and that's hard, have someone pray for you. If you're just struggling to make ends meet and, and you're struggling to believe that God will provide, have someone pray for you. I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna respond through song. God, thank you that you are here in this place, that you are our way maker. And God, even when we don't see it, you're working. Even when we don't feel it, you're working. So God, we, we say this in trust and in faith. And God, I believe right now that you are here and you want to, to do a work in us. So God, I just pray for, for forgiveness to come. For those of us who've been holding on to something against someone else, that, that anger and bitterness would be let go. That those who've been hurt by toxic relationships, God, that you would bring healing you would help us to set up healthy boundaries. And God, that we would trust that you are there providing, meeting all our needs. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Let's sing the song together.